And we're live. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to yet another episode of The Insanity Train. Or, no, wait, that's not our name anymore, is it? That's just Nick's podcast. All right. Yeah. Hey, all you crazy sci-fi and fantasy fans. It's time for your daily dose of shenanigans over here at the Blasters and Blades podcast. Just three nerdy veterans geeking out over our science fiction passions and fantastical fantasies. A place where magic is king, the sky is the limit, and space is the place. We are the podcast that puts the fun in dysfunction. So without further ado, we're going to let our guest, Mr. David Hensley, introduce himself to our listeners and viewers out there in podcast land. Hi, I'm David Hensley. I write uh, science fiction and fantasy for uh, Three Ravens Publishing. Uh, primarily in the form of post-apocalyptic science fiction with Car Wars, but also getting into some new and exciting stuff in a you know military sci-fi universe. So glad to be around. All right. The next part of the introduction, dear listener, is uh, how we found them. Um, so this was one came to us through Hillbilly. So he just happened to send me some pictures and said, you wouldn't want these to get out, would you? And I'm like, oh, hell no, I wouldn't. And then he's like, so you're going to like help my people get some visibility, right? And I'm like, yes, sir. And that's that was the end of that. Nick, you promised you wouldn't show anybody about that weekend in Vegas. All right? You promised those pictures stayed on your phone. That they did, but I didn't leave the phone in Vegas. The, the phone is here with me. <laughs> you've been hacked, sir. You've been hacked. All right. He didn't um, leave me in Vegas either, so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, the other awesome part is he's also a veteran, so he can be one of our nerdy veterans today since Doc is uh, is temporarily AWOL. So, uh, so, Dave, what did you do in the uh, in the Navy? I was an aviation structural mechanic. Originally, I rated as an AMH, which was a hydraulics specialty for the aviation structural mechanic, which is Navy mumbo-jumbo for people who fix the uh, structure of the aircraft and the hydraulics, flight controls, that kind of stuff. Did that Stuff for make bird fly? Yep, yep. Basically, did that for twenty years. If it's not an engine, or a wire, or an electronics bit, we owned it. And I worked on H fifty threes, which is the largest helicopter in the free world. Worked on the mighty F fourteen Tomcat, and then the H sixty MH sixty Sierra Seahawk helicopter. So, did you ever make um, cat jokes with the Tomcat, like here, kitty, 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 and that kind of thing? Uh, only nobody was watching because they think you're weird. I was a helicopter guy when I got to the fighters, and the Navy's kind of weird about that. The various communities are kind of clannish and inbred, and so helo guys in a fighter community, they're, you know, you're you're kind of the, you're not the village idiot, but you're definitely the village outcast. <laughs> okay. It's like the 11 Charlies in our world. Those yeah. are myths. They don't really exist. I mean, I never saw one. But they kept us out in the field walking a lot. So, yay, light infantry. Yay, nothing <laughs> light about us. <laughs> no, not at all, not at all. And uh, we were, yeah, we would be remiss if I didn't tell you that uh, this was being recorded on the 17th. So yesterday was National Long Dart Day. I mean, National U.S. Army Paratrooper Day. So I hope you enjoyed it with a shot of something, uh, Nick. Yeah, knee pain. <laughs> that'll do it um i mean jumping in and out of those humvees on the msrs wasn't great for your knees either um in theory we were supposed to wear seat belts but after you get tangled up in that one or two times you're like nope and then just take your chances shut up leg <laughs> yeah, i mean you know what you call a paratrooper in iraq 
leg? Yeah, because they were useless. Nobody jumped anywhere. They all rode my strikers and in my Humvees. Yeah, well. Just putting that out there. When was the last – and the dopes on a rope? Even worse. When was the last time they did – well, no, they actually did a combat repel more recently than you did a paratrooper insertion. And if you want to send hate mail, send all of it to Madam Stabby at blastersblazepodcast.com. You know, I got, we a, few, I got a few match ropes in in Iraq. Did you guys really? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so we really should clear a bot, uh, building is from the top down. So gives them room to squirrel. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, you just get to the first ledge, you pull out Mister M six seven, and you just let them fly, and then everyone goes away. Their stairwells were con- very well designed for that. They were very considerate in making it easy for us to grenade them. Yeah. I mean, they would say it was so they didn't overheat because, you know, desert. But I'm just saying it was a hand grenade funnel. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So the uh, the closest we came to that kind of stuff is I did a few cordons for the cordon and searches, which is very, very boring. Just remember, boys and girls, once you pull the pin, Mr. Grenade is no longer our friend. The sad part is, is that came from Army Instructions because they thought we were idiots. To be fair, some of the Joes were. We Yeah, that, that, valid. That tracks. So, I mean, like, how many of our, our idiot friends married strippers and uh, what was the other one? 20 to 30% interest on a car? Some sort of Camaro. That's uh, a junior <laughs> sailor starter kit. Yeah. Well, you got to add the divorce and the crappy sunglasses to it, too. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I mean, not That's all it. the strippers are bad. Not all of them. 99% are. Sarge, she said she loved me. She's never loved anyone before. <laughs> she called me in on Sundays because it's slow and she just wants to hang out with me, but I got to tip her and get <laughs> Yeah, I'm just. I, how I, got. I lost two grand, Sarn. I don't know. I've been robbed. I say robbed. Robbed, I tell um, you. So the uh, the next part of the, the interview requirements, sir, David, is we have to do the religion questions. Are you ready for this? Sure. No. Star Wars, Star Trek, or Firefly? Oh, Firefly. Me too. That's a solid answer. Stabby's never seen it, so we actually might have to boot her from the show. But she's gonna she promised us she's gonna repent and watch it with Nick. I I will. I will. It's been a busy <laughs> week, you know. Birthday I mean, shenanigans, baseball shenanigans. They split my days off, so I'm usually not. Yeah. This. You only so really need to get through Firefly, though. I mean, there's not that much of it. Yeah. No, this is sadly it's true. In a movie. Well, yeah. you know, um, after the next question, we'll have more conversations. Yeah, that's eight hours of my life that we got to catch up on. So, uh, because we're polytheistic here at the Blasters and Blades podcast, David, Game of Thrones, Wheel of Time, or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. There it is. Now you know why she's going to have a lot of time accounted for because she's never seen that either. (laughs) Yeah, that takes more than a day. I I, I have ADHD. And if it doesn't pull me in in the first 15 minutes, I will either fall asleep or I will start playing games on my phone. Once again, all hate mail is addressed to Madam Stabby at the Blaster Blade. <laughs> I love responding to hate mail. I, I, I will happily respond to hate mail. We really should start that email just so we can see what kind of shenanigans people have for the fun of it. I, I have a feeling they'll be like, it'll be 50 50. Like, 
half is going to defend her like, oh, I haven't seen it either. I've just played along this whole time. So people didn't think I was fucking weird. <laughs> and then they're half so, like, Shane, burn her, burn her. So Whoa. when I sell the heretic, sell the heretic. So when we, when I was still going through the VA process, trying to figure out what the heck was wrong with my noggin, I used to play this uh, game of war on my phone, and uh, that was that was one of the things we used to do is see who could be the most outrageous, so that way we would get the hate mail, and whoever had the best hate mail. Because we were, I think it was Line app back in the day that people were using before Slack and all the other things were around. And we would share our hate mail, and whoever got it the best got a free, like we all threw a dollar in the pot, and then whoever won got to keep all of that in the form of like a, a gift pack in game. I got hate mail once from one of my comics, and it was in the form of a backhanded compliment, but it ended with I needed to touch grass, and that confused the hell out of me. Because I, I respond, I'm like, what does that mean? And they're like, we need you to touch grass. So I'm like, okay, I got that. I'm like, from the bottom. I'm like, oh, oh, that's not nice. Oh, they were wishing death upon me. We watch uh, Joe Bob Briggs quite often on Shudder. And um, he has Darcy the Mail Girl that handles the hate mail, all the hate mail, the love mail, the Twitters, everything. And I'm just over here like, hmm. But she is scientifically enhanced and beautiful. Okay. Yeah, so I'm you're not going to get any hate mail, is what I'm saying. And you're not dressed like a pumpkin. Yeah, she does dress like a pumpkin a lot. You could be a pumpkin. Mom says, check it out. So maybe that could be your costume for uh, for the Halloween episode. Stabby the pumpkin with a knife in the like part It'll of it. Probably be Michael Myers again. I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, I guess. Yeah, but oh shit. I, I think we have a Jason mask around here somewhere too. I can always right behind you. change yeah. it up on people. So no, are still, you? Like, still required to coveralls. Yeah. So Dave, are you? A, are you a? Well, do you prefer Dave or David? Not Dave. No, almost everybody calls me Dave except my wife. As long as she doesn't call you Dave. What was that? As long as she Go ahead, man. Shovel. I said, as long as she doesn't call you late to dinner, you're good. Pretty much. That's usually when it's the full name. Oh, or the the knives come out. That's how she did it. You let your food get cold. Yeah, she, like, called no. me, she never calls me necklace. Late for dinner is never good in this house. I mean, I, I could feel that. Food's important. So, uh, or sometimes since the episode of the show, it's the uh, the food, the defect is the horror. Oh, the humanity. Except for um, mid rats were the bomb, dude. I got well, the funny and dinner. That's the funny one is the memes that would show up occasionally. It's like, did you kill anybody in the war, Grandpa? And he goes, well, I was a uh, cook in the army. <laughs> Death from within. Yeah, my other favorite one was on a uh, barracks. Uh, so when I was going through the for the beginning for the first invasion, we went through the old 82nd barracks at a brag that were like condemned, but they just threw the transients in there. Uh, and in the in the latrine, there was a sign in one of the bathrooms that said "Flush twice." It's a long way to the mess hall. <laughs> and uh, it was signed and dated from a paratrooper from 1982. Nice, uh, probably so, very accurate at that time. Probably <laughs> still accurate to this day, and they probably still have Joe's living in those dang barracks. What do you think's in the chili? 
<laughs> we were there and the psyops was was uh wound winding themselves up for the invasion so they started practicing yeah. on our barracks because they figured nobody cares about a bunch of dirty rotten legs on benning or bragg those are two places we don't count yeah, uh, really. and so after the second night of that our first sergeant went out and got a pellet rifle and just started taking out their spotlights and then oh, aiming wow. for their uh, lt and they went somewhere else after that yeah, they probably went to the guys from the 101st that were there. Maybe, maybe. Those weren't very popular either. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, 101st on 82nd post? Yeah, that's just... Well, I mean, they, they just had us all on standby for those big birds to take the ride over to... I mean, uh, to go and enrich and culturally defend the freedom of other countries. To acquisition foreign real estate on behalf of the federal government. I mean, I'm just saying if we went there for oil, I didn't get any of it and I feel cheated. That's what I used to tell girls in the ball in the bar. They'd be like, "Hey, what do you do for a living?" I'm like, I'm in uh, acquisitions. Oh yeah, what do you do? Well, I acquisition foreign real estate uh, for the federal government. That like, works. Oh, well, that's really great. I'm like, yeah, it's, I love uh, murders and executions. I mean, murders and executions, murders, mergers and acquisitions. Shit. <laughs> and then you can just chalk it up to being drunk. So, yes. but uh, the, the maybe. The Navy had it better. They sent you to places when you would go to port calls where you actually might want to go. Like, oh, yeah, dude, um, I did seven months in Naples, Italy. Oh, you asshole. Making I mean, $175 per diem. Like, <laughs> Were there uh, girls at the port with tennis balls and their uh, telephone numbers written on them that they threw on the ship? I never encountered that. I mean, it was the helicopter detachment. We were the personal helicopter for the Admiral for, I think it's Sixth Fleet. In that neck of the woods. Oh shit! Yeah, oh, we had one bird, like small crew. lived in uh, lived in a barracks on uh, Capodacchino there in uh, Naples, um, making stupid amounts of per diem and flying like forty hours a month tops. I remember my first time going to Naples. I was like, man, I wish I was in the Navy and be collecting per diem for this right now because it was beautiful. <laughs> Yeah, it was stupid fun. I have a buddy of mine that was a boatswain. Well, I have a buddy that's a boatswain's mate, and another one that was a gunner's mate. They both say that I wasn't really in the Navy. I was in the Princess Navy Cruise Lines. I'm cool so with what, that. man? Did you grab a bottle of wine in Naples? Because I grabbed one, and it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've drank it all since, but... Well, yeah. I mean, it didn't last long. It didn't I last. Mean, the bottles didn't make it back to the barracks. No, no, or the uh, limoncello. Oh, oh, my God, the limoncello so much. But what I need to know is, are the trains still on time in Italy? The trains oh, are never on time in Italy. <laughs> they had a moment where they shined. That stuff. But if you want precision where you can set your time, that's the trains in Austria. Yeah, yeah go to Germany. If you want, if, 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 nothing happens on time in Italy. Everything happens domani, domani, tomorrow, tomorrow. <laughs> it's their version oh. of Inshallah. So those, yeah. those, uh, those Italians killed the only man that ever made their trains run, trains run on time. Mussolini. Uh, I love a good Mussolini joke. <laughs> uh, see, this is why we don't talk history with you. You don't laugh at my joke. Curse you. No, I, Daddy, do. I do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we have a bundle of sticks. I guess you can make anything run on time. Yeah. <laughs> except winning. Yeah, except, well, I mean, he didn't even win at life, so. He won at death. He, yeah, he, he was a pretty decent cross-dresser at the end, so that counts, okay. right? Um. <laughs> Italian and I'm late to everything. Is it because you're Italian or the ADHD? She was late to our wedding day. I was late to 
was late to my wedding. <laughs> How does that happen? I was late to my graduation. I was right next to her. In turn, that made me late for her. On time for anything. No. She's going to be late to her funeral. I mean, that's at least one acceptable time to be late. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. If you're going to be late to anything, be late to your death. Technically, I am. I wasn't supposed to live past 18, but here I am. Three days in a row. On that note, let's uh, let's dive in the deep end of all things horrific, and that isn't about you not dying. Wait, that was a horrible segue. Oh, help me out here. Or an awesome one. I thought it, I thought it worked out really well. She laughed. Gonna... I'll get sad for it later, though. Yeah, yeah, we'll just we'll just smile and nod. So first, obviously, we're here to talk about sci-fi horror or space horror or however you want to look at it. Um, so what is it? Because you guys, you three are all super fans. So what is it about? sci-fi horror as opposed to just regular horror or defect food that drags you in. Don't all go at once. <laughs> Mr. Hensley has the, you have the floor, sir. You start um, us off. Probably the thing that drugged me in was the original alien movie. Like that thing, like I saw that when I was a little kid and it scared the crap out of me and not in the same way that like, Jason or Freddy Krueger or Pinhead from friggin' uh, Hellraiser scared me. Like, aliens scared me because I didn't ever think, like, scary things could happen in space until I saw that film. And then from that point forward, like, space was no longer like this neat, friendly place where, you know, men went, you know, you could boldly go where no one had gone before and cool stuff would happen. Like, you could boldly go and die horribly. Yeah. There we go. Oh, yes. There's our queen, Ellen Ripley, right there. Yeah. Yeah, the one of the original strong female protagonists. Written well. A well-written strong female protagonist. Yeah. Not yeah, not, yeah. Too. not some Ray Skywalker bullshit. No. Yeah, she was, she was really well done. And that was a good use of... Um, how tech I suspect will develop when it comes to like mech and stuff, because it was basically just repurposed auto loaders for and you know equipment for like dock workers. I could see that yeah. being feasible. Yeah, because that was dock cool. workers that was pretty prominent in uh, in Aliens, the sequel. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, that's when she really got to rock and roll with that thing. Get your hands off her, you bitch! You know, and they're just whacking it out there on the <laughs> uh, the loading deck. Uh, probably one of my favorite scenes in all of sci-fi and horror. Um, Ellen Ripley. Ellen Ripley was crazy. That's Crush. Before Return of the Jedi came out, because I saw Aliens before Jedi. So, like, like Ellen Ripley. Oh, no. Get that one off. Get the original one. Get Doug Bradley on there. What are you doing? I, no? I had to find ones that were um, royalty-free, or what do they call it? Uh, common... Okay, so we got Event Horizon, we got Aliens, and we got Species, which is also a favorite of mine. All all three are fantastic. All those are great. Um, No Life Force on there. Life Force was probably the first. before It was before Species. Uh, Scared the crap out of me because the way it just, like, sucked. The the, uh, special effects when she took the life out of a human being, I was just like, oh, my God, that's so creepy, and I didn't sleep for, like, weeks. It was great. But that's not on here. But Species was also cool. Yes. Yeah, but the idea. Go ahead. Jack. Go ahead, Savvy. I was going to say the idea of how the species affected you, like how it got to you, was kind of like the height of creepy for, for young men. 
And yeah. when I first saw that, I was going through puberty, so that created a lot of sexual confusion when she was like morphing between <laughs> human and alien. So I'm like, mm, if the alien species shows up here, I'm probably going to try and get laid. I mean, you and the entire U.S. Marine Corps. And the Rangers. All hate mail, once again, is addressed to Madam Stabby Stab at uh, BlastRunBates.com. I mean, you got to think about it this way. When it comes to slashers, that's the guy next door, the guy across the street, the guy down the street, you know. It's it's very close to home, and it kind of tells you what to look out for. But when it comes to sci-fi horror, it's the unknown that you have to look out for. And I think that's what makes it a little bit scarier, is you don't know. You don't know if the aliens in space are like Alien, or if they're like Predator, or if they're like both. Or E.T. Or E.T. You know, are they friendly? Are they yeah. evil? And I think being from Las Vegas, one of the ones that kind of caught me off guard, and it was a comedy. Paul? Nope. Um, Mars Attacks. Oh, shit. And the whole time, everybody is like, yeah, we come in peace. And then all of a sudden, the strip, the Las Vegas Strip is being blown up. And you're like, but that could happen. But could it happen? But would it happen? And it kind of makes you really start thinking about it. And it's like, it goes from being this goofy sci-fi thing to, well, crap, I live in Las Vegas. <laughs> And bad. it changes so your So are you saying process. there's a good chance that you are an alien and I, in fact, married one? Because that would make a lot of sense. You'll never know. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Well, if we're going to stick on that whole conversation, as we were in the Uber yesterday and I was talking to the kid. That's why I tipped him extra, because <laughs> he had to bear witness to the crazy, stupid conversations we have in the back of an Uber. I was discussing with the kid that you can't always have a one track mind. You kind of have to think about the different ways that it can branch off. And he's like, no, what if like, you know, God is God and God created us. I was like, well, that would be pretty ignorant or not ignorant of us, but um, I just lost my mind. I don't know. I stopped listening at that point. <laughs> um, arrogant of us to think we're the only people in the universe. Be an awful waste of space. Right. Not just ours, but other galaxies that are out there. They're, they're Tell me you sides. never played Assassin's Creed without telling me you never played Assassin's so Creed. So as I, as I was speaking to him, he goes, well, Mom, what if we are the aliens and we were put here by the mother alien? And I'm like... Once again, tell me you never played Assassin's Creed without telling me you never played Assassin's Creed. Well, <laughs> but I'm explaining to him that, you know, we That's could be the aliens. And in that case, our whole thought process on God would make God the mother alien. And here we are. And the whole rest of the car ride was about if angels that people see are actually aliens or aliens that people see are actually angels and or they're just crazy vice versa or you're just crazy and it became so, a whole conversation that is an interesting idea maybe for a, a topic for another day but you mentioned ak ak and i just thought that was funny because i actually let that inspire one of my covers for one of our anthologies that uh, uh, jamie glover made That's yeah legit. i got it on the screen yeah that was inspired by i love that That's i learned so i love it 
Yeah, I learned the hard way with Glover that when he said, what's your concept? And I jokingly throw that out, like he would turn it into awesomeness. Like um, one of them, I was like, what happens if Battlestar Galactica and Star Wars and Star Trek all had an illegitimate bastard love child uh, as they made a run at the Death Star? And he's like, oh, I got you. But if you get sued, it's on you. <laughs> yeah, it looked like the Enterpri Enterprise with uh, X-Foils, S-Foils, like X-Wings. It's still a cool <laughs> cover, man. Still yeah, it started as a joke, but it came out so good. But so uh, you gotta be careful with artists, people. Let that be known when they've got a sense of humor. But yeah, I like this art. For the longest yeah, time, this is the background of my computer without all the writing on it. But yeah, the the ack ack was a very, and it feels like it's an older movie, but it's not. It was just meant to mirror that style. Uh, behind the scenes, the cover that I'm doing for you, that head is actually the pot of the mech. Nice. Bring a little ack ack into the world. Well, I think the part that kind of it when it comes to Mars attacks that kind of like triggered with all of us kids, you know, raised in Las Vegas is when you watch the sands um, go down after it gets exploded. The casino, the sands, and you're like, wait a minute, that was the actual implosion. Yeah, that's that's how it actually went that's down. Actual footage they used. <laughs> oh. Oh, right in the fields. And they used the actual footage of it being imploded in the movie as it was being blown up. I remember seeing that movie with my dad uh, on, uh, I think we watched it on DVD, and uh, I saw a slight tear leave his eye, and I'm like, Dad, what's wrong? He's like, I love the Sands. Because <laughs> I guess he used to win a lot of money there back in the day. The Sands and the Dunes were the two places that... that Imagine a loving a hotel and a casino and realizing that it's gone through a movie. Because that was my dad. He had no idea it had been imploded. He had to find out watching Mars Attacks. He spent my 29th birthday watching the Riviera be imploded. He's like, that's fake, right? I'm like, no, dad, that happened. He's like, what? It's I'm gone. Like, Give me a hug, man. <laughs> it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's we still have the Sahara. Oh, wait. Well, it's the SLS <laughs> now. No, it's back to the Sahara. They just re claimed it. Well, at the time, it was funny because it wasn't the Sahara. It was the SLS, yeah. yeah. Vegas. Missed our, their trip down Vegas memory lane. Yeah. Uh, that's... um. So what is it that makes the monsters, the, the, the sci-fi horror so scary in space? Uh, I think it's the isolation. Yeah. Isolation. Like, when you're on a just terrestrial area, like you... There, when there's other human beings or humanoids or something like that, um, there's the possibility of rescue and help. But when we start dealing with like sci-fi or, or uh, space horror, like aliens, you're completely isolated. You're <laughs> light years away from the nearest help. You know, and I think that's what makes it scary. You know, um, you, you take that premise of no man is an island, and you actually get to sit in that premise. Um, and I, I'll go back to Ellen Ripley in the first Alien movie. By the end of it, she, that was it. And that creature was hiding in the escape pod. You know, it's like you just feel so isolated. You're alone. You, it's just you versus the threat. And I think that makes it a lot scarier, especially when that threat has a mouth and a mouth and it's fast as a scorpion and it's just super deadly and it has acid for blood. It's just like everything about this thing is nightmare fuel. Well, and they and do it's a, just you. And they do a beautiful job of not showing you all of the monster until way late in the film. Like, and I think that's what makes it scary, because my imagination 
yeah. made this thing to be a lot worse than it was. And then yeah. when I saw it, it was still as bad as I thought. Oh, yeah, it was still terrifying. I mean, the face hunger thing was bad, you know, especially when you've seen what comes out of it and a little thing rips out of that dude's chest and just runs oh, yeah. off med bay. And then, I mean, from that point forward, you don't know what the hell's happening. You just know that it's bad and that people are going to die. Yeah. There is no 911. Yeah, in space, no one can hear you scream. I think that was the tagline for the first yeah. one. Not only can they hear you scream, can no one hear you scream, but nobody's coming to save you. Yeah, like, yeah. You, you either get well, it right or you don't. And I think that's probably what makes it the scariest thing is because there, there is no one coming to save you. There's no Avengers. There's no colonial marines even even in the second one even the colonial marines were like oh man i don't want to deal with this crap and no one's game over man yeah yeah fine man put her in charge man you know rip bill paxton you know dog <laughs> game you know. over game over man that was some of the most iconic line in all of science fiction not just sci-fi horror and what i loved about that is that i was used throughout the military you didn't have to be a marine to use alien lines and i would I would hear it quite a bit. I was even guilty of saying it a few times when the mission was FUBAR, even in training. Game over, man. Game over. It's like, oh, why don't you shut up? I'm like, yo, why don't you put her in charge, man? <laughs> you know? And next thing you know, I'm doing you know? Well, I think, and it's funny because the one that like pops to my mind when somebody's like we're watching a sci-fi horror movie of course you're gonna think aliens you're gonna think predators but i really felt for the humans in aliens versus predators because they got stuck in the middle of scary and scarier like they had not just to deal with this one specific kind or this one specific kind they had to deal with both of them and even though they were still on earth help was still you know thousands of miles away there's nobody coming to get you and you're sitting there this one's trying to kill you with a mouth in the mouth and that one you know it's trying to kill you but you can't see it yeah and you're sitting there like we are not equipped for this well and i think that's the difference between horror and action adventure right like in horror it doesn't matter how competent the heroes are their competence does them zero good. Like no matter right. how good they are at what they do, the, the monster is going to get them. And action adventure, well, you know, it's it's the monster versus good guys with superior firepower. Right. Yes. Um, we were watching Rampage the other night with uh, The Rock. Yes. That easily could have been a sci-fi horror film. Make a couple of tweaks in casting and tweak the the, uh, oh, yeah. the script a little bit, and it would have been a, a, a monster movie, a sci-fi horror movie. But it ended up being an action adventure movie because, well, you got Dwayne the Rock Johnson in there, just you know. Well, and doing because sign, doing gorilla sign language, and because the <laughs> the actual um, stuff that turned them into it was it was human human created in but being tested in space, just change that to it came off of an alien spaceship. It's an alien thing. It has no human. You didn't need to do that, and man. that's it. All you had to do is just tweak the the the, uh, the story just a bit because we had a crazy ass creepy nightmare fuel alligator. Lizzie. You had a wolf that flew. Ralph. You had the rat that was in outer space with spikes coming out of he it. He didn't have a name. He didn't have a name. It was just the rat with spikes. <laughs> you know, you put that in any other type of if like if you really tweak the script to be more sci-fi horror, it definitely would have been a great sci-fi horror. It was a good action adventure movie, too. Don't get me wrong. 
Oh, here's all my so favorites. <laughs> do you explore um, the space horror in any other platform? You've talked a lot about movies, but I mean, horror as a genre exists in the written word, comic books, graphic novels, manga. It, um, the, the novelization of it. The novelization of it. The Death came from space initially and came to Earth, tortured the Native Americans, and then just every 27 years came back and, and fed. fed it. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I'm trying to scratch my head on that. Like most of the, most of my sci-fi reading hasn't been like sci-fi horror. Like it, certainly fits the bill. I mean, that that's totally responsible for me hating clowns because I read it when I was like 11. <laughs> me too, Dave. Me we too. All, we, we all, all hate did. clowns. Like, He's, uh, anyone right who shows there. up to the house on Halloween dressed as a clown does not get a warm welcome. Yeah, yeah, no, if you pop out of the bushes dressed as a clown, I'm not responsible for what happens to you next. Yeah, yeah like <laughs> I was absolutely terrified of clowns because of that movie, or because of the book initially and then the movie. Um, and then... I grew up to work at Circus Circus, and I had to get to know the actual Circus Circus clowns outside of makeup, so that way when I ran into them, I wouldn't punch them in the face. I'm trying to think. I think Dean Koontz has done a handful of things that were probably sci-fi horror, but because one of the sort of unifying themes of his work is that the good guys win, even if it costs them nearly everything, it's mm -hmm. not quite as horror as it could be. So what makes it horror other than the fact that you're scared while you read it? I think the absence of effectiveness for the heroes. Like, like if you have a hero that's a cop, it doesn't matter how good he is with a firearm. It doesn't matter how skilled he is in investigation. Those skills don't really help him against the the whatever the the monster is i think that's one of the hallmarks of horror is that the hero's competence actually fails him which is helps increase the fear and dread in the viewer or the reader if it's uh you know then you know written horror yeah no i okay. dave i absolutely agree with you um it's the uh the best efforts in any other situation would probably put the good guy on top where it just fails him or her. Yeah. You know, um, that, which I think it leads us back to isolation. Um, it's like, you got this person that's like Ellen Ripley, fully, especially in aliens. She's dealt with this threat before she's fully competent and knowledgeable in how to defeat these people, but she's surrounded by idiots. Yeah. One Lieutenant weird, how a Lieutenant gets in the way of stuff. Hmm. But, uh, you know, she's making all the right calls and she's, ringing the warning bell and she's hitting the buzzer and she's telling everybody hey, this this isn't gonna work man i've dealt with these guys before and they're all like no nah, that's cool we're professionals you know uh i think there's a lot of um the supporting characters and i think this is kind of important um you'll deal with a lot of arrogance or incompetence or just downright not intelligent you yeah. know in the supporting cast that makes the hero's job even harder because they're telling they're giving you all the answers to the test and you're still just screwing it up. Yeah, you in the average horror film, the protagonists, I mean, well, all of the supporting characters almost always deserve to die because they're idiots. Yes, totally agree. Totally I actually agree. fear those deaths. I'm like, that's just stupid. You know? 
Don't go in there. Oh, let's Don't see. Go in there. Oh, no. that's it. He went in there. What an idiot. And then replay it and watch it again because I just really want to just, you know, enjoy the death. Because <laughs> you're a sick, sick man, Nickel Carver. No, I think stupidity <laughs> should be painful. And I think that's something we've lost in our society. You know, no matter they tell you the bottom of the pan is hot, and they still reach for the bottom of the pan. You still try and protect them. Like, no, the bottom of the pan is hot. Where my parents would be like, go ahead, touch it. Touch it, see what happens. Go on, touch it. Fuck around speaking and find of, out. Speaking of that, we're going to pause for a moment while we shamelessly shill for the man. What man are we shilling for this? When a strange symbol is found at a burned down historical site, Houston arson investigator Emmy Aninzo goes to work. As mysterious and inexplicably hot fires break out across the drought-ravaged city, she finds herself digging through the ashes of history. It's a race against time to track down the serial arsonist and explain the seemingly impossible heat of the fires. As strange evidence begins to pile up, Amy wonders if the arsonist is insane, or even worse, possessed. Can Emmy and her colleagues find and stop him before the entire city burns? Parsec award-winning author Paul E. Cooley wraps ancient mythology around an eerie contemporary tale that will leave you burning for more. Gare's Inferno, a free podcast novel available from shadowpublications.com and iTunes. Some mysteries shouldn't be solved. So that um, was from friend of the show, Paul E. Cooley, who is also the co-host over at the uh, Listeners of the Dead Robot Society. If you want the, uh, here's how we talk shop about writing and not here's us getting nerdy about the stuff we consume. Because let's face it, if you're writing it and creating it, you're also consuming it. Yeah. We, we, we take the hit off our own drug stash, as it were. And they told us not to do that in school. Dare taught us you never, you never test your samples, but. Never get it on your own supply. That's what Dare taught me. Yeah, that, I don't think that was the lesson they were going for, but I mean, that's sort of what we took it as. And they had the lion mascot. That was so weird. It was, a, it was like a, a wish version of like McGruff, the, the crime dog. It was. I understood why they used the lion, Leo, law enforcement officer. I get it. But I wonder how many guys that went through Leo or uh, Dare got themselves a bong with a lion's head at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> I know five people that had that done. They're like, oh, yeah, because it's funny because we all went through Dare. And I'm like, oh. Nancy wow. Reagan said, just say no. Zombie room seances. Come after you, man. I think uh, my notebook is still in the garage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, so the problem with that is we already are at the zombie apocalypse. If you watch people wander around their face so deep in their smartphone, they can't function. Oh, that, that brings up... Uh, more sci-fi horror because we watched this morning the train to Busan. Yep. Oh, go on. And that is a Korean zombie movie that was the virus was fabricated as a bioweapon in a Korean lab. Mm-hmm. Where have we heard this before? Change the location of the lab. What? Oh. Well, we don't get political on the show. World so. War Z. Yeah, World War Z. That's how it happened. <laughs> that's what I was going for. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I danced a little too close to the sun on modern politics. I actually was thinking about World War Z, but World War Z is actually pretty cool. Scientist, Mr. Fauci. Oh shit! <laughs> Not no, it was Fauché. It's French. 
I actually had World War Z. I actually played the video game. Uh, I just downloaded the DLC on that because I want to go and kill all of the Zeke on the Russian, uh, the Russian sub. Yeah. Nice. I like I, I like those zombies. They're very Snyder-esque. Yeah. They had a whole bunch of code. And when we were watching levels. Train to Busan this morning, they were jumping on top of each other to kind of make a... Um, Platforms. A platform to get up onto the train while the train was going. And I was like, they're very World War Z-esque. The same so the way that they were on would the bottom of the wire as climb themselves up the walls to get into Jerusalem. Yeah. In World War it Z. was pretty crazy. Even though it came after World War Z, it was still a very entertaining movie. Um, I got to read a lot because it was <laughs> subtitles. It was Korean. I don't speak Korean yet. So, no, but I it, see. The ending was was something else too because I've watched that one. It was one of those endings where you're like, "Oh man, I don't feel good about it." Well, like yeah, I'm but I'm sad at the same time. It was just very. It's, it kind of sucked the air out of it. You're like, "Oh, he's almost there. You got a buddy. You reconnected with your daughter. You're getting a, you're getting to safety to go return him to the mother." And then there's that one dickhead that was screwing everybody over, and now you're. Oh, we were praying for him to die the whole movie. I was like, so, I hope a human gets him, not a zombie. When it comes to the the scary element in sci-fi horror, do you guys have a favorite? You know, is it the monster, the alien, the zombie? The portal. Uh, Event Horizon is probably my favorite yeah. sci-fi horror movie because it, it sets it all up as scientific exploration, the betterment of mankind. We've we're going to reach the far ends of the space and all that stuff, but we got to do it through this portal. And the more we go through, we start going from aliens to Hellraiser, yeah. another favorite of mine. And uh, it, it's, it, man, it's just a mind job, dude. You know, the, the special effects are amazing. Uh, Sam Neill, when he's full in his ready to go, he's very pinhead esque. You know, he's like this uh, demonic professor you know yeah. and he's talking smart i had to have a dictionary a thesaurus and like google up when i watched it um i, I just think that's probably one of the most scary things about sci-fi horror and i up until that point i thought aliens was the uh the zenith of sci-fi horror as far as science fiction scaring the hell out of me. <laughs> oh, like uh like aliens scared me as a kid event horizon scared me as a grown-up yeah, and I think that's... Event Horizon uh, was dark. I'm right there with you, Dave. Um, yeah, Alien scared me as a kid. When I was an adult, a very young adult, but a very but an adult, when I watched Event Horizon, because everybody raved about it, um, that scared the shit out of me. Like, I had nightmares for a while, because just... Yeah, yeah I didn't know what I was into. Like, I went into that movie, not... I was thinking it was just going to be like a science fiction, lost spaceship kind of movie. Yeah. Like, not what I was expecting. Even the trailer, it, it gives you a head fake that yeah. you're going almost into like a, a 2001 type situation. Yep. You know, like I felt like I was going in there getting ready to deal with some creepy AI with Hal or even maybe an aliens type situation. But no, man, it brought me freaking Hellraiser in space and that scared the, scared the crap out of me. Yeah. So, well, one of the things we'd like to introduce is Nick and I have talked offline with Stabby, uh, chiming in that we were going to start doing retro reviews, and the, some of the first ones we're going to do are going to be Forbidden some of the classic Planet. horror. Forbidden was it Forbidden Planet, The Black Hole, Black. 
Time uh, there were, space. Yeah, there was a few others. But um, so if you've got any that you want of the classic reviews, horror or otherwise, that you want sci-fi horror, speculative fiction horror, whatever, that you want us to do, um, dear listener, let us know. Um, we link in the social media how to find all of us all over the place. So um, check the show notes. But so what are your thoughts? Because you're, like I said, you're discussing primarily horror via the movie screen platform. So jump scares, love them, hate them, or indifferent? So I think here's the thing with that. I think it depends on the situation. So they both said, you know, growing up, aliens scared them, and now it's more Event Horizon. With me, it was monsters and aliens as a kid, but as I got older, it was humans messing with things that they shouldn't be. Ouija boards and such. Not just Ouija boards, even like uh, technology, like in Megan. Lawnmower Man. Yeah. And so I think when it comes to jump scares, um, I, I love them 99% of the time. But I every now and then there's that one where I'm like, I should have known that was coming. I didn't see it coming. James Wan does those amazing. I was just about to mention that. Like he's he's the skilled master of the jump scare. Yeah, because you're anticipating it, you're anticipating it doesn't come, and then all of a sudden it's in your face. And that's um, because he plays on the tropes. Yep. And um, I think the ones that freak me out the most are the ones that I know I should have seen, but I didn't. So what about you, David? Um, are you a fan of the, the jump scares? It's really hard to jump scare me. Like, it's not because I'm, like, smart enough to see all of it coming. It's just that I don't think I'm smart enough to be scared. Like, <laughs> the stuff happens. It was worse. Yeah, I guess that should have been scary. But, uh, well, that's different. Why am like, I here? I, I occasionally get jump scared, but the sci-fi stuff rarely gets me. It's it's more of the supernatural horror stuff. Yeah, that, that yeah. gets me. Like the TV series Supernatural, they've managed to jump scare me a couple of times. Oh, at least fifteen times by my last count, and that was even, not even with the bad guys. Like Castiel no. jump scared me a few freaking times. Yeah, he's the good guy. I think. I think um, well, in in Supernatural, where the alien, where where either side of the devil versus the angel. Uh, story plot, either of them good because they both came off really jerkish. Yeah, but um, you shut so, your mouth, JR. It is a fine piece of cinema. I mean, I enjoyed the uh, the season. I'm thinking I'm on. I stopped at season seven. I probably ought to go back and finish it. Um, I think jump scares are like seasoning when you're cooking. You can overdo it. Yeah, um, and it starts to get just predictable or it feels yeah, it feels cheap. Um, like, you know, that's, that's all you bring to the table, but I do think adding them in on occasion, most of the time, the music will give you a clue that it's coming. Yeah. Yeah. You know, storytelling. It's always three notes. Three notes make you a villain. Yeah. Yeah. And the other part of that is those, those tropes that are like, you know, the old boulder rolling down a hill after them. And for some reason they run in a straight line instead of zigging and zagging. Um, yeah, in the horror, it's they always separate when there's strength in numbers. Or they open the fridge. Yeah, the behind the fridge. They steer with the background, and then you cl- uh, uh, just watch Scream. It did a lot yeah, of that. Yeah, that's hilarious. I was just thinking about that. But it's it's all the – Scream is just mocking all the tropes. But it's like – Oh, that's the best the, part of that whole franchise. But we watched Scream 6 last night, and I had we've obviously already seen it. You know, we're 200-and-something scary movies in for the year so far. We keep track of them to see how many we fit into that's a no year. That's no repeats either. No repeats. But um, 
we were watching it last night and there was one that I just completely forgot was there. Like, and there was no background music. I don't see. I already forgot it. Sure, forgot it. I forgot where they were, but we're, we're laying there in bed and we're watching it. And all of a sudden he's there. And I'm like, and I was like, every time, every time we watch this one, I forget about that one time. It always happens when I mid sip on a nightcap and now I got booze on my chest. So, <laughs> yeah. Did it get you too? No, you made me spill my drink. But I think um, the best jump scares are the ones that are unintentional. Yeah. And there's a lot of those. Like, they never plan it to be a jump scare. It just kind of happens. And I'm having trouble kind of like having a reference point to that. But it has happened where I wasn't expecting a jump scare. There was no setup for a jump scare. And it was just something they was in the movie naturally through its writing and it happened and it scared the shit out of me. The grudge. Oh, the grudge has a lot of those. They, when they, they, don't, when they do no set. With the, the lighter and she's spinning around and all of a sudden that chick's just in her No, face. the one that got me was uh, she's in the uh, shower and she's washing her hair. This is the original grudge. That's uh, the one I was talking yeah, about. Yeah, and she starts washing her hair and they did it again in the remake and the, hand and the hands come out through her hair and I wasn't expecting that. And I about dropped my soda and popcorn. I was like, oh, my God, it's so creepy. But Japanese horror will do that. What is what is unique about Japanese horror? And, Dave, are you a fan? I really haven't paid much attention to Japanese horror. So Imagine there's lots of tentacles involved. <laughs> I, I thought, no. I'm a sucker for the grudge or the ring. Or ring. Yeah. Okay, uh, the ring. Actually, the ring was, I don't know, it was sort of farcical like if it's this tiny thing covered in hair coming out of your tv screen if you just kick it really hard the problem goes away yeah usually <laughs> <with> tv <laughs> or just don't watch movies when people tell you not to watch them yeah. yeah you know just don't do the thing everybody's entitled to see the dead poet society once okay oh dead poet society was wonderful robin williams at its finest yeah I can honestly say that my my biggest jump scare, I threw my nachos at the guy behind me at the movie theater. <laughs> and I felt so bad that I like was over the seat and I was like trying to clean the cheese off of him and it looked really inappropriate. And he's like, ma'am, quit touching my junk. So he went to go clean himself. He came back. He actually brought me new nachos because he felt bad for me. Who but was it? it was the Hills Have Eyes. Oh, yeah, that'll do it. That first scene when we get the axe in the head. Oh, yeah. And I was, I threw my nachos, and the poor guy behind me was covered in nachos and jalapenos. I felt so flipping bad. And my first reaction after that, other than saying sorry and trying to clean him, I spun around in my seat, and I'm like, dude, we need to see that movie. I thought we were still in the previews. Like, we need to see that movie. That is going to be awesome. And the guy goes, You are. Now, you did something That's crazy annoying. like that the first horror movie we saw together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you didn't throw your nachos, but you made a, a very loud noise in the movie theater. Well, which horror movie did we go see? That's what I'm asking you. No, I Uh-oh. think the when we went and saw was Halloween. And he, I think you did that. And I just, I got up and embarrassed the hell out of you. We going, oh, it's the first horror movie? You remember that? No. All right, now on marriage counseling with Stabby and Nick. <laughs> so, um, do you think that some of the the um, tropes where you do get those those people that are too stupid to live? Do you think that um, 
do you like that in your horror or you hate it? So, uh, for instance, when they go on um, the Prometheus and they see all those alien eggs and they know exactly what this alien does because they've dealt with it before and still they touch stuff. Don't touch anything. Yeah. It's gooey. Leave it alone. Yeah. It, it just aggravates me when the so you know when when the characters are too dumb to live i mean larry korea has built a fantastic career off of gathering up the ones that survive as you know the mhi hires for the monster hunter international series that he's written and like that i can get into like like the survivors like those those are the ones i can identify with but the idiots right. that are separate themselves from the group that you know open the door when they know they shouldn't like no, I'll those, be right back. Yeah, they, they all deserve to die yeah and then what i find interesting in like movies like prometheus these guys are like all academics they're like some of the smartest minds earth ever shat into space and they do the dumbest stuff yeah so, so do like, you it, it's aggravating because like you have an iq of like 2000 so why are you touching the goo you know if you didn't bring it with you don't touch it yeah, kind of like the safety briefs going out into the field, JR. Yeah. You hump it in, hump it out, don't mess with the wildlife. Boom. How's that not the same safety brief to a space crew on an alien planet? Yeah. yeah. So so let's ask this then. Do you find it scarier when it's an open world for the setting for the horror where they can go anywhere? Or when it's a confined space like a spaceship or locked in a, in a building or something like that? I'm going to say both because I'm agoraphobic and I'm claustrophobic. I don't like people, and usually when you go in open spaces, it's awfully peepily out there. Claustrophobia, aliens. Another reason it scared the hell out of me, because it was all confined space. They're going those little shafts and shit. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, my heart's pumping. I'm like, I don't like that. You know, so I think it's a little bit of both. Um, I, I think what scares me more is the more confined space, because you don't have anywhere to maneuver or position and set up a defense. If it says do not enter, do not enter. Yeah, yeah, the confined space is definitely the worst because there's just no way to get away from a freaking killing machine in a tight quarters. Yeah, it's just going to get you. And I think that's in all horror movies, not just sci-fi horror. Like, being in a spaceship, that would suck, you know. But take the same scenario and put it in a cave, just as freaky. Oh, The Descent scares the shit out of me. I hate that movie. I mean, I love it, but I hate it at the same time. <laughs> so in, in horror... It makes me want to pee myself. In horror with the monster, it's much like camping in the woods with the bear. You don't have to outrun and be the fastest. You just got to outrun the slowest outrun guy. Buddy, yeah. Yeah. So, so I, oh, JR, I'm going to trip you so hard. We ever go camping and run into a bear? <laughs> you got to outrun the bear. Just got to outrun you. I, just, I don't have to outrun the bear. I just got to outrun my buddy. It'll yeah. Be a memorial, though. <laughs> he died, he died. Off the bear. Got a he died fighting so we could live. What a hero. I gave them both cocaine so they can make the sequel to Cocaine Bear. So what are your thoughts, since you mentioned Cocaine Bear, on the farcical, like where they take space sci-fi horror and they go so, like, ack-ack, like we mentioned. Uh, cocaine Bear, which I don't really think it's horror, but you it's know, kind it of... Was actually, it was, it was hilarious, but it was more, I would call it more of a horror comedy. Yeah. Uh, the gore and the violence were top-notch, yeah. mainly because of the uh, stupidity of the uh, humans wandering around. Specifically, the the park ranger. The park ranger. Oh, the the female one, right? He ate my butt cheek. Oh, that guy. Yeah, they <laughs> ate my butt cheek guy. Um, it's hilarious because it's such an absurd concept, but it's also based in reality because that did happen in Russia. 
Well, it's like watching the army. Well, uh, n- which thing? Any of them. No, no, no. My whole thing is, is you see there's something wrong with that dog. Why are you uh, still yeah. standing there with the dog? Because like, it's your dog, man. It's your dog. Yeah, but my dog didn't have no tails coming out of its butthole. Dude. If my dog, like, I know my if dog, I woke up, got my one dog tail, it's above the butthole. Three tails, if tentacles, if it had more teeth than it was supposed to, my dog would be dead. Like, no. If they would have just killed it right then, then it's amazing we didn't talk in depth of that thing tonight. Because that well, is it's like Dreamcatcher. I mean, with Stephen well, King's oh, that's Dreamcatcher, good one, yeah. like the friggin' butt weasel things are terrifying. Oh, my God. Butt weasel, go on. I'm intrigued. Does it go on? Butt weasel. It's like like take a lamprey eel and make it about the size of your forearm and give it extra teeth, and well, it it gets into you through the anal cavity, and now it takes over your mind. Like that's just yeah. that's, that's just bad on toast. So you oh, just described the IRS. Well done. <laughs> we could do four or five episodes of sci-fi horror with the creepy crawlies like Slither. Um, Dreamcatcher is the one we could talk. Uh, Splinter. Splinter. Um, what was the other one we watched? You think Tremors is sci-fi horror? Tremors yes. is definitely sci-fi. Oh yeah, it's yeah. comedy. Sci-fi definitely. horror comedy. Yeah. come on. You could do Legend. Uh, uh, the one latest of- Predator movie, Prey. That's sci-fi horror. Mm-hmm. That's the one where they went back to the Indians. Um, yeah. Uh, the best. That- uh, Quiet Place, that's sci-fi horror. Yeah, the best. I watched. Oh, The Faculty, that's sci-fi horror. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I already didn't trust my teacher. So, the the best one for the Predator was, I think it was even a fan made where they went back like to medieval times and they're fighting like knights in armor with swords. They're pitching a, a sequel to Prey where because it started out as like a meme on the internet, like most things do, like my life. Um talking about a predator in feudal Japan going up against a samurai. Yeah, Larry Korea. Like, oh my God, I'd watch the hell out of that. Yeah, Larry Korea already wrote that story. It's in one of his anthologies. Which one? God, I'd have to track it down and find it. But it's, Larry it's, writes so damn much, I can't keep yeah, up. Yeah, it's hard to keep up. Okay, so I have a question. Out of all of the sci-fi horror movies Love you, Larry. that everybody has seen, what is one that you've watched but you'll never watch again? Ooh. Hmm. Teeth. Oh, yeah. I've never yeah. been, that, um, been that scared by a scary movie, mostly because the never jump scare is predictable. I think... I think part of it is when you go in with the expectation that it's a horror and you're trying to be scared, it's almost like, you know, you're trying to, what's that game where you try to like punch your friends just because you got to see who wimps out first. It's like that situation. What's that? Chicken. Well, there's other names for it that aren't family friendly. Hence the reason I pretended like I didn't know. We'll just go with chicken. Yeah, we'll go with that. So it's one of those situations where I think when you go into to horror in general, like you want to prove like you're as unaffected as, you know, the least affected person. So you kind of already harden yourselves. It's when they sneak up on you that it's, it's about the only time. Oh, so. yeah. I have two movies, one that I watch, even though I know it freaks me out and one that I will never watch again. And the one I will never watch again is called teeth. Yeah. It's a ghost. But that's, Never. The best, the best horror scene. It's not even really in a horror. It's in, uh, it's in a comedy. But Major Pain, where the kid thinks a monster's under his bed, so the guy goes in there and just lights up the closet with his pistol. Oh yeah, well, it sure ain't happy. Yeah, 
<laughs> that's how you handle it. Like if if they just did the stuff in the beginning, half of these horror movies, the plot's over. Yeah, pretty much. I think that's that's a lot of them. Like, why do you run upstairs? You know that the killer's at the front door, run out the back door. Why are you running up the stairs? Because you want to hide. There's is that feeling of being under underneath cover that gives you a sense of security. You shouldn't be running oh. anyway. You should be improvising a weapon, finding cover, and then going on the offensive. Yeah, you should yes. be fancy from the first nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. She had a manual and everything. Mm-hmm. Written by a Green Beret or something. Number five alive. Um, so that's, get, that's get your robot. Yeah, get your robots to put them to work. And Johnny Five is just a uh, happier version of Chopping Mall. I was going to say Chopping Mall. So what are your thoughts on, uh, do you prefer the thinking uh, scary big bad, the um, inhuman, unfeeling, unthinking that just keeps coming at you, like you know the, the hunger, the feed, whatever, or the non-living, uh, like a robot kind of thing? Coming? Which one do you think is scarier? For me, it's the robots. Yeah, that that's a good one because we, we start dealing with like the first Terminator. Yeah. Or or Megan, you know the. Uh, I gotta see Megan. I've heard good things. Oh, that you should have watched that before we did the AI episode. You'd have a lot to say. Yeah. We might have to figure out where that's uh, at because I know it's. I think it's behind a paywall at Paramount, maybe. So I might I might have to look at a you know, temporary. All my access to my streamings just plug the, the shit. That would violate the terms of service. I will do a trial episode, of course. I don't care. Um, me on the bill. I'll tell you that. So, like, I, I think they're raping me. They're raping me on the bill. I don't want to get shut down. Yeah, I, I think that the 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 machine because it it's not like at least the hunger of a of a creature trying to eat you because you're dinner. Like at least I can. It makes sense, right? Yeah the uh, the Terminator aspect we'll just call it that. Um, it has no animus. It has no morality. It has no integrity. It has programming. Cold hard data. And that makes it scarier. I think it does too. And Terminator did scare the crap out of me as a kid. And a, a line that I still use to this day when someone tries to hurt me um, is from Kyle Reese in that movie. He's like, Terminators don't feel pain, I do. Even though I'm not reacting to the pain because I've trained my body to do it um, through years of abuse in the army. Like, oh, I'm like, oh, I almost felt something there. Maybe I'm still human. <laughs> um, you know, I'll give him that line just because I think it's a cool dead-ass hero line Hey, it's probably one of my favorite lines of all sci-fi. Terminators don't feel pain. I do. And I thought that made Kyle like the most Billy badass of any sci-fi character I've ever watched to that point. I think human error is more scary. When we start yes. messing with things that we're not supposed to be messing with. Yes. So Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park, you know, um, when they start messing with AI, I like iRobot or, you Has know. Has anybody um, seen Splice? Yep, and then you have like um, all human here. We just watched Deep Blue Sea the other day where they were enlarging the shark's brains so that they could get this certain stuff, but the sharks got too smart for them. Yeah, I don't have for sharks. Um, there's um, there's some good ones that uh, that we've talked about in the back end where they found um, specimens that were preserved well enough in Siberia now that some of the permafrost is melting back and moving, moving different places. Um, where they're like, oh, we're going to revive this insert crazy spooky creature that's been dead for a millennia. You know, it's 2023. I say let it happen. Let's go. And it can yeah. be 
something as fun as, you know, Jurassic Park and, oh, dinosaurs would be amazing. We'll yeah, make a yeah. theme park and they all eat you all the way it's... down to your robots are now keeping you hostage in your house and killing you if you try to leave the house. Like, so before we before we let David answer that question, there is um, some pretty good sci-fi horror that's free on Dust, D-U-S-T's YouTube channel. Like, we're not sponsored by them. I just love their stuff, so I shill for it. But they have some, yeah, so they have one, they had one where a guy programs AI drones, in theory it was supposed to take out the bad guys, and then the government started using it to take out anybody that was the opposition that like, oh, you said bad thing about president, what do you know, you've accidentally died because the, you know, the drone thought you were a terrorist. The Fifth Element. What? Excellent movie, multi-pass. Multi-pass, but then she starts really looking into it and seeing that they're all just killing each other. So what's the point of saving y'all? Okay, I, I got a caveat to that, and it's going to go into the Marvel movies, the Avengers, Age of Ultron. Ultron was online, the internet, for less than 30 seconds and realized that the human race had to go. And he had mission protocols, preserve life in all its forms. And he was like, he did a 30-second calculation, like, man, humans suck. <laughs> so like, you guys gotta go i'm gonna drop a meteor on you so what about you david is it the flesh and blood the uncaring horde the sentient alien monster creature whatever coming after you or the unfeeling robotic terror man it's like 50 50 between the unfeeling robotic and the you know just the unstoppable killing alien killing machine because with the ro with, with both of them is the unknown but in a you know, it's different facets of the unknown. Like with the unstoppable robotic killing machine, like say the Cylons from Battlestar Galactica. Oh, um, yes. Killing machines, big fan. Like they just keep freaking coming. And, you know, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's like Predator. You, it doesn't matter how tired you are. It doesn't matter how worn out you are. They just keep coming. So if you don't find a way to kill them, humanity goes. And then with the alien you know, the xenomorphs, like that thing's on its own freaking program. You don't know what it is, but you're on the menu. You know what? We're, we've been talking about those two aesthetics, either the uh, the alien organic or the uh, the AI machine. But we're all kind of we have we've kind of skipped over this. The removal of humanity, like the pod people. Oh, like or uh, Freaking like uh, all snatchers. All house. Yeah. The faculty, the body snatchers, the, the removal of consciousness of a uh, autonomous life form. You no longer are in control of your own body. It, it's just laid host to somebody else. Oh, I think the that's what you talk about. Oh, yeah, the board for sure. It's definitely scary. I think I'd rather be killed by an alien or a Terminator than to have my consciousness removed and just watch in the back seat like a drive-in theater my body doing shit that somebody else is controlling. All I, know. I think that would scare me most than anything. Just the loss Stargate of did that really well. The loss of self when the, um, oh, well, the, the Google, yeah, the Google, I think is how they pronounced it. But when they took over your body and then they freed them, you know, I've lived a millennia watching whatever, like they, they cover that really well. I think in that franchise. Well, yeah. hell, that's well, one of the things in science fiction is the friggin' the ear, the worms in wrath of gone that go in your ear. Oh Yeah. 
They did the same thing in, so in the faculty. They, they put the little worms in their ears and it looked like they died. And then all of a sudden they're all standing in the sprinklers trying to churn everybody, starting with the football coach and just continuing on. Yeah, and the, and the little little uh, the little Betty from Alabama. The little Betty from Alabama was the queen, yeah. I was like, she's adorable. No way she's the bad guy. I do um, love that the homemade... Um, the homemade... Uh, narcotics. Narcotics was... I took him out. <laughs> that was fun. I mean, that's right. Some high school kids are. But then you gotta. There's, you know, there's the other side of things that nobody's touching on is is um, movies like The Reanimator or uh, Tammy and the T Rex, where you're really you brought up. Man, that's a deep dive, baby. I'm proud of you. You're Tammy and the freaking T Rex. If my body is dying, but my conscience is not, and I don't get put in a T Rex, I'm going to be mad. First of all, I'm ashamed <laughs> that I've watched that movie. <laughs> I got the reference. Have you, ever, have you guys either, have any of you watched uh, Tammy and the T Rex? No, I never even heard of it. Okay, so it's a horrible B movie. Some of the best movies are B movies. It was so it's amazing. It's Toxic Avenger level. It's so amazing. it's so bad, it's good. Toxic and Avenger was uh, awesome. What's her name? Um, the chick from Starship Troopers. I know. And Wild Things. I know who you're talking about. Denise Richards. So it's one of Denise Richards' first films, and her boyfriend gets in a car accident. Mm -hmm. And he was working in a uh, like an amusement park that had an animatronic T-Rex that was ran by a mad scientist. Who took his conscious his, who brain, took his brain and, and put, put it into in this animatronic T Rex who went so in trying to protect Tammy. Gotta protect Tammy. Because that was his girlfriend when he died. <laughs> it's so shitty. It's awesome. It's amazing. Nick Garber says, check it out. Four stars. I love Tammy and the T Rex. <laughs> like, like Dale and Tucker versus Evil. Yeah, that's another yeah. one that's just so bad it's awesome. You're like, there's that British errors that turn into a whole But there you have Human error, the mad scientist, yeah. you have the robot. Oh, with Tammy. You yeah. know, you you have all of that. Dale and Tucker was just in one movie. Horrible. And it, horrible was, it was such a fun movie, but then you have things like the reanimator where he's just trying so hard to bring to extend life that he's basically making zombies. Oh yeah. So so that touches on the whole trope of making the monster, like the mad scientist with uh, Frankenstein. Mm -hmm. with, um, the OG sci-fi horror. Yeah. yeah. I will say some of the older stuff can be scarier because they relied on method acting and, and setting the scene versus just everything's a green screen and blood and gore, which I actually find, like, one, it's kind of just classier, but also it makes it, I think, sometimes scarier. Oh, there's a couple times a year we'll watch Nosferatu, which is over 100 years old. There's like it's a silent movie, but it's so well done because you have method acting and then you have like legitimate set pieces, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, uh, there's no CGI obviously. Cause it was done in like the early nineties. We do, we do all of them. We do that one. And then we do, um, Frankenstein. We do the mummy. We do, yeah, we do the universal stuff, all the universal ones. But my whole theory on that is, and what made like the reanimator so good is it's the created monster. We did that. A human made that happen. Well, technically Dr. Herbert did it, but whatever. You know what I mean? But I think those are, that's why I keep coming back to, to human errors. When we mess with something we should not be messing with. 
I think that the science fiction horror really, especially in the literary end of the business, um, it gives you the ability to really explore the sort of the extremes of the human condition. On one hand, you can explore just how crappy humanity can be to one another. Right. On the other hand, you can explore just how noble and self-sacrificing humanity can be. Yeah, you can go one of either ways with that. Um, and I think that really kind of just is a lovely commentary on the human condition. It's uh, I always base it down to the road to hell is paved in good intentions. You know, like Reanimator is one of my favorite um, horror movies, and it's H.P. Lovecraft, which you know, that just lends credence to it, but he wanted to be able to save people from death. And when he did that, he created monsters. Same with Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he wanted to be able to beat death, not only for himself, but all of humanity, you know, all the electrical secrets of heaven, you know, harnessed in a body that I created. I mean, that speech alone in, in the book, you know, shows what his intentions were, but what happens when good intentions just kind of lose their shit? <laughs> you know, now we got Frankenstein. We got all the creatures that uh, Herbert West created in uh, the reanimator. Um, and how how far a human being that is, is willing to sacrifice themselves, their soul, whatever you want to put on it, to try and improve humanity. And we've we've had multiple stories that just show that that rarely works out that's how a lot of the zombie movies start too is humans were messing with something they shouldn't have been messing with the extension of life and being death and it created a virus or a bacteria or something that that you know brought you into into zombie land angina or whatever from teeth well and then you have you know we, i hate that we, movie we so touch much. base on world war z but like that the zeke they didn't want sick people they didn't want injured people they didn't want the people with cancer or the people with this or the people with that they wanted the healthy ones to prolong their the <laughs> virus which was their version of life yeah mm-hmm. i'm telling you man five episodes of this we could do it <laughs> Yeah, we just got to be careful because we didn't give David any room to speak. He's just like watching the crazy trainer. Like, what did I sign up for? Oh, no. (laughs) Sorry, Dave. My bad. They're passionate about their horror. Well, yeah, we love it very much. Yeah, I'm sort of horror adjacent. Like, it's, it's, I prefer to have heroes that ultimately win. And in a lot of horror, like, you know, the the hero doesn't win. At best, the hero survives. Yeah. Yeah. It's the best we can hope for in most cases. You know, God made it to you know, made it to sunrise, got out alive, never going back there again. And the stuff that I like to write, uh, you know, not only did the hero survive, but he's damn well going back once the sun is up to make sure the damn monster is dead. See, and I, I think that's something that's lacking in cinema, as far as the, the horror genre. That they just make it to sunrise and that's it. Roll credits. You know, I, I would prefer your version, actually, Dave, is, you know, yeah, I'm back. I'm going to rest, refit, get a little bit of drink of water, and I'm going to go back in there and going to reload again. I That's where that. you, you don't story. go, you don't die, you just go to hell and regroup? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Well, he already been through hell. They did that in Meg. 
a bunch of scientists go deeper than the deepest that they know. They release these giant ancient sharks, you know, and then they have to find a way to kill them. Luckily, they have Jason Statham on in, on their team. Jason Statham's Jason Statham's. But, you know, they go out and they make sure that they killed the dang shark. Because we can't let them get to shore. We can't let them get to the people. So let's take them out now. And oh. they make sure that they killed him. And even when they, you know, thought that they killed the biggest one, there was a bigger shark giving you that. There's always a bigger fish out there. And so they had to take that one out too. But they made sure that they took it out before they rolled credits. So would you consider monster fiction, and we'll start with Dave this time, would you consider monster fiction to be a form of sci-fi horror or its own genre? I think monster fiction is kind of, it's like, like there's certainly an overlap there. Like you, you're talking like Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, you know, that's sort of the genesis of monster fiction, and that's certainly sci-fi horror. Lovecraft is sort of a both and, but then you can, wander down into the traditional horror genre stuff like uh, Dracula or Werewolf or The Mummy. Like, that's just straight monster fiction. That's not really sci-fi. Yeah, the, the supernatural aspect. Yeah, yeah, the supernatural stuff is kind of its own thing. But uh, there's no reason why you can't have sci-fi, horror, and monster fiction get together. There's a series of novels, and I forget the exact title, but the, they're vampires, but they're freaking like steampunk cyborg vampires. Like they, they, they've got oil in their veins, not blood. And they run around, you know, tearing the hell out of humanity. I need that in my life. <laughs> I can't remember the name of the series anymore either. It was like, I bought it as an omnibus edition. Oh no. Tore through it in like a week and then, you know, traded it in at the used bookstore for something else. So, my favorite example of how that can work is, uh, I don't know if any of you guys, I'm a huge dinosaur nut, so did any of you guys watch the TV series that came on in both Canada version and then the British version called Primeval? I've seen a couple episodes. No, yeah, I've where there were, there were time anomalies and monsters came in. They had one episode where it was like Hunt for the Red October vibes, where they're in a submarine going around, and somehow the submarine accidentally goes through one of the underwater anomalies, and they end up in like the prehistoric, uh, and now the submarine... And I don't remember if it was a Russian submarine, but if it wasn't, they missed an opportunity. Um, but they're they're in the submarine, like basically having a submarine duel, but it's with like megalodon shark or something. And that that creature was scary. And then once you realize the big scary one you thought was the bad guy, holy crap! It just got eaten by something even bigger. And now, <laughs> oh my goodness, now that's gonna try to eat me. I think a good example of horror becoming sci-fi and kind of going hand in hand together is um jason x Ooh. you have a slasher that wakes up in space completely rebuilt by nanos no i, I mean that, I, that came later later but. you know and and now he's just out there in space killing people in space <laughs> So, I mean, that kind of brings horror into the sci-fi, like a slasher into the sci-fi, not so much monster, but um, it just definitely gave it a different aspect. <laughs> okay. So as we as we come up with some closing thoughts, because we're, we're coming out an hour and 20, and we always go longer once I start closing. For some reason, we still get 20 minutes more. Um, but is there is there a favorite, like if you're going to, 
I haven't watched a lot of horror. I didn't really have much interest in it until you started bugging me about watching all the things. So uh, we're going to start with David, and then we're going to go to you, Stabby and Nick. But if you were going to recommend someone to get into the genre of sci-fi horror, where would you tell them to start, Dave? I'd definitely have them start with the Alien franchise. I mean, if there was a one movie, like if they were only going to watch one movie ever and make a decision whether to get into sci-fi horror, I'd probably point them towards Event Horizon. And then if yeah, they like it, if they liked it, steer them to the Alien franchise. But if it was a one and done, Event Horizon. Okay. What about you, Stabby? Since you're the the guest, well, quasi guest host. Um. You might be hired. Nick and I haven't had our conference call yet. I mean, HR might be a nightmare because apparently you're supposed to not do the things married people do with your employees. I don't know how that's going to work, but dude, you are HR. I know. I don't know. I got to find like the way to CYA. This is the way you do it in the NCO Academy. Uh, well, if she complains, I'll divorce her, I guess. No, you won't. There's no divorce in this marriage. So, so we'll just hire Dave as the senior HR uh, at double my salary, and then we can blame him when it all goes wrong. I don't um, like how y'all plotting on If I had to get somebody into sci-fi, sci-fi horror, I, I think it would be um, Aliens is what got me started. So, Like, book-wise, it was it, but movie-wise, it was Aliens, and then I found Predators, and I kind of just grew from there. But, I mean, I was already watching Slashers before that, so there was it was kind of a natural, you know, path into it. But um, yeah, I think I think if I was going to tell somebody, hey, you need to watch this movie and then let me know if you still don't like sci-fi, um, you know, it, it would be Aliens and Predators, you know, one of those two, because they're just, they pull, they suck you in. Like, you want to yeah. know what's going to happen next. I can't watch one without going, come on, let's watch the next one. So, um, Dave, you put in the side chat that you found what the novel you mentioned was called. You want to you want to tell us that real quick? Yeah, it's called The Clockwork Vampire Chronicles by Andy Remick. Okay. It's uh, it shows up as, uh, three, as uh, three novels in one, Kell's Legend, Soul Stealers, and Vampire Warlords. And great it's, titles. It's legit good. Those are great titles. So I guess because Nick's going to have a long-winded answer – um, cause he, he, well, you've watched and read more of it. Okay. So uh, I, yeah. what can I say I came across, um, the horror genre when the Blair Witch project was all big and it was all about the shaky camera that just made oh, you want to puke because the filming was so crap tastic. It wasn't even scary. It was just like, I'm so dizzy now. I want to like puke and I haven't even had a drink yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so from that, I'm like, yeah, I don't really like this whole horror thing. And then I watched some of the Scream franchises, and I watched the um, um, Spaceballs, where they had that scene where the thing crawls out of his stomach. There was a oh yeah, Spaceport. Um, and I, I started thinking, well, what's the like? What is all the references? Because everyone's laughing at scenes I didn't get. So I'm like, well, what are these movies that caused them to laugh at the interpretation on Spaceballs? And that was sort of um, my gateway. I guess Mel Brooks was my dealer. Um, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. So it was that's what led me in. Uh, and, you know, he mocked all the things like combing the desert, hello, and ludicrous speed, plaid speed. I mean, what's They're not to love? <laughs> the scene, the best scene that I've seen in the army, at least, memed the most is where everyone's named asshole. Yeah. 
That is good oh, main first class asshole, sir. How <laughs> many assholes uh, we got on this ship? What? <laughs> it's a great scene. Actually, did it make you want to make you want to enlist in the Navy, David? Is that what got you? You watch baseballs? Um, no, no. Top Gun and geometry is what got me. I didn't yeah, want to go to geometry, so I ended up taking the ASVAB to get out of going to geometry class. And I saw Top Gun when I was in like fifth grade. So, like those two things are what that steered me into the Navy. Okay. All right. Now we've got twenty minutes slotted on the clock, Nick. Where's the? Uh, where are you recommending for people if you want to point them into sci-fi horror? Okay, this is where I go a little bit more uh, classic horror. Um, not saying I don't disagree with what uh, Dave and Stabby said. Those are all great um, starting points. Um, but Invasions of the Body Snatcher with uh, Donald Sutherland. Big fan of that one. Um, who's the one that I had? Uh, the Stuff. That's another good oh, one I like. That's a good movie. Uh, Killer Clowns from Our Space. Uh, well, yeah, I guess Killer Clowns from Our Space is pretty good, too. They wrapped everybody up in cotton candy. Um, so, But for a, a gateway into, like, before we start getting into Aliens and 2001, A Space Odyssey, which is also, I consider that space horror, even though it was not meant to be, I don't think. Uh, I think it was more meant to be more of a cautionary tale by Kubrick. Um, Invasions of the Body Snatchers. I uh, The Loss of Self and... Uh, self-autonomy, I think, is scarier than anything else uh, as an external threat, like an alien trying to kill me or a robot trying to kill me. Uh, so I have to go with that one. What was that one where the robot threw the basketball through that lady's face? Oh, Deadly Friend with Christy Swanson, one of my favorite crushes. Was she related to Ron? Say again? Was she related to Ron Swanson? No, this is, this is pre-Ron Swanson. I'll never okay, forget you know, mustache when this came out. I'll never forget that scene. Uh, Christy Swanson, she was in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm -hmm. uh, she had a bit role there. Uh, she was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, the the movie, movie or the TV the series? Movie. The movie. She was Buffy uh, mm -hmm. with Paul Rubens, who, you know, rest in peace, Paul. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, great movie. Deadly Friend, that's a good one. And that's also goes in as. Uh, that movie also scared the crap out of me. I watched way too many scary movies before 10. Dude, you'll never be more scared of a basketball flying towards your face than after you watch that movie. What they should have done was reprogram was never the same. They should have reprogrammed her to be a major league pitcher. That's what she should have done. Because that was at least seven miles an hour pitch. Dude. And that was a softball pitch, too. She didn't even, like, overhand it. It was just... Whew! She would have done great for the University of Arizona. Good to know. Good to know. All right. So with that being said, dear listener, as you uh, as you listen to this and we'll tell you where you can find everybody in just a second. What uh, what would you recommend for a first timer to get into? Put it in the comment section wherever you're listening. Share this with a friend. Get them going. Join the discussion. We can always do more because, I mean, if we let Nick and Stabby, this would become the speculative fiction horror podcast. But apparently some of those already exist. So we're going to stay broader and we'll be like the scattergun and just go all the directions. Sorry, not sorry. I mean, it is what it is. Uh, and and uh, it's been suggested that we do some live reaction walkthroughs. Like, um, where was that one that we used to watch? Mystery Theater 3000, I think it was. Oh, I love that so yeah. much. Yeah, we could do something like that. But we've got to talk to our legal department, which means we actually have to find a legal department that works for free uh, to find out where we, uh, where we stand if we did something. 
think that the term is that lives in my garage that's a paralegal. Does that work? I mean, just because your dog goes to the law office to get petted, no, no, doesn't no, mean actually. Are you sure? <laughs> I don't know what to say based on legality, but yeah, sure. <laughs> he wears a dog collar. And we are a family friendly show, so we're going to move on. So, with that being said, um, do you guys ever do. So, so Nick, do you and Stabby, I know you've got your own YouTube channel for Apogee Comics and Nick Garber Art. Do you guys ever do like live reactions to horror as you're watching it over there? Uh, no, because uh, with Apogee, the brand is comics. So, we stick with comics. Um, okay. We okay. have thought, based on your suggestion, the. Uh, the retro reviews, which was going to be Nick's retro reviews, but I guess we'll uh, I'll bring my so, love back into it. So, well, well, we'll do the well. You could do the retro reviews for comics over there, and then the just generic retro reviews here. And you could do the Nick Garber's art house, where you draw your comics as you talk about stuff. Yeah, but we are mostly an audio type intended entertainment, so not everybody watches the YouTube. So I don't know if I should still do that or. Well, we'll, we'll figure that out. We uh, because of the the recommendation for the cyberpunk vampires. Uh, now I want to do a or, yeah cyber steampunk cyborg steampunk. Wow, that's a tongue twister. It'd be kind of cool to talk to some um, to some steampunk people because like I, there is some good stuff out there in steampunk, and they oh. got the cool cool outfits. All the monocles. People that we've had on this show for cyberpunk that we could bring on. Yeah. Bring in Molly. Yeah. yeah, we could do cyberpunk oh, again, yeah. but I was thinking more steampunk. With the where they do the corsets and the monocles and the weird gadgets and corsets are so uncomfortable. Bring me my Molly. Airships and oversized handguns. Yeah, the dirigibles. So that could be an episode. Speaking of episodes, if there are any topics, dear listener, you want us to to wax poetic on or not so poetic, we don't judge. Uh, like drop a comment because we're 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 just having fun getting nerdy about stuff, which means every topic we talk about, there's always room for more. I mean, like we. Like we we just realized after we did the AI thing that a certain um, creator of TTRPGs that sounds like Wizards of the Coast uh, just got called out on the whole uh, AI stuff. Not TSR. <laughs> not TSR. No. So, like, we just realized, like, there's constantly, even as we finish a topic, like, the next day there are revelations that, oh, man, if we just held up a day, we could have talked about that, too. So That's what yeah. we get for getting into a world that's constantly evolving and expanding. And and we've with expanding past just doing author interviews, it's been kind of fun though because these are the kind of conversations we were having behind the scenes anyway. Now we're just filming it. So. Yeah, I think the behind the scenes conversations are a lot more fun for me, honestly. This style, you like this better? Yeah, because I mean, we just kind of throw a topic at the wall and see what, see what sticks. sticks. There is that. All right. So if we can get enough of the uh, of the donations, uh, there's some programs out there that I've got to look at buying that will allow me to shrink some of our episodes to under two gigabytes so we can start putting our entire back catalog over there on BitChute where we've got most of our audience. So if you guys want to throw some cash at the tip jar, uh, you will help fund that. Um, but before we go, I have to let Mr. David Hensley tell us where listeners and viewers can find him on the wild, wild interwebs. Uh, it's easy. You can find me at davidwhensley.com, all one word. Um, that'll link you over to all the other places that I show up at. 
Outstanding. For my email newsletter, because I've got like seven subscribers and most of them are just my friends. So, you know. So I will I will say don't show up to his house unannounced because uh, Hillbilly's like, oh, he's leaving your neighborhood. Just go visit him. And, you know, I had three brothers, but I, you notice I said had like who put the <laughs> in the garden gnome, right? Claymore garden gnome. That was just evil. I expect that from Nick. So I did not expect that from a sailor. No, he's just right? a secret knock, man. Yeah, well, if I know the secret knock, maybe my brothers would still be alive. But I'm just saying, garden gnome, really, sir? No, yeah, I mean, so, you know, our garden gnomes are the wave of the future. True. I mean, was that Tannerite or did you actually liberate some, some Claymores? Because, I mean, I'd have more respect if it wasn't just Tannerite. Well, I'll never really dis you know, A magician never reveals his tricks. You don't tell the secrets. Oh, okay. And if the FBI is listening, he's totally talking about it in a video game. And if it's the IRS, well, apparently they shoot each other more than they shoot you, so you're good. Yeah, yeah I just saw that news article. What the hell? Yeah, <laughs> if you're wondering what we're talking about, apparently an FBI or excuse me, an IRS agent on a training exercise at the gun range somehow managed to off his buddy. Yeah, I don't understand how any of that happens. There were so many failures along the way. If they just would have listened and not gave him guns, that would Don't give the paper pushers <laughs> weapons. Yeah. yeah with guns. Next level horror. <laughs> I laughed. The toaster laughed. I shut the toaster. You know. All right. So that, that's how. Yeah, the subject ones. So that is how you can find uh, Mr. David. And you can find us, dear listener, on our link tree where we link to all the things at linktree, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. Again, linktree backslash Blasters and Blades podcast. We link to all the things, including our bit shoot, our rumble, our Twitter, which is at SF underscore fantasy underscore show underscore uh, SF underscore fantasy underscore show. You can email us at Blasters and Blades podcast at gmail.com. That is the real one. Although now I think we really ought to start the hate mail email and just like forward that to Stabby so she can just have fun. Because um, why not, right? Life's I short. I have a good time with it. I mean, the brand might not, but I love replying to hate mail. Yeah, but could you imagine what happens when you respond and then it's really like a troll and he runs and tells his dad who works for the FBI and then they show up at Nick's house and he's got to explain to them that they need to just man up and it just and I can see it in the well, then it's FBI they turn to do a battle of the badge, whatever. Yeah. That already happened in North Carolina, where the drug buyer and the drug seller were both cops from different departments. Yeah, and they up to arrest each other in North Carolina. It's that Spider-Man meme of three Spider-Mans pointing at each other. Yeah, no, you're the bad guy. You can find us on Facebook where all the shenanigans happen at facebook.com backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. Again, backslash groups backslash blasters and blades podcast. We have a Facebook page that's full of gobbledygook. So just click the link on bit or on the link tree already and you can find us. Be sure to hit the like subscribe button. And last but not least, we do have our website at anchor.fm backslash blasters tech and tech blades. Again, anchor.fm backslash blasters dash and dash blades where for as little as 99 cents a month you can help pay for stabby's horror subscription on shutter.com or you could buy us the program that will help us shrink the videos and we will add all of the back catalog over to bit um because i don't know how to do any of the bitcoin stuff to buy the larger access and they've been debanked so that's we, we've just got to shrink the videos it's just what you got to do yeah shrink them poor cold or yeah don't don't give the water off the dark though. I heard that ends badly. 
Um, or uh, finally, you can support us at buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. Again, buymeacoffee.com backslash author J.R. Hanley. And you can be sure to put in the comment section that it's for the podcast. And I will keep my co-hosts, Doc Seska, Nick Garber, and Madam Stabby, duly caffeinated. They will drink until the coffee pours out of their eyeballs. Wait, Stabby, are you a coffee lady or are you a tea person? Coffee. All See, I coffee. knew I liked her. Iced coffee, hot coffee, reheated coffee. Right I now I got her hopped up on the monster. Yeah, that's that was a monster because I'm out of ice. Yeah. Twisted peach, ha- twisted water. We'll talk recipes afterwards. I have known people that used instead of water, they used monster for their instant coffee. It oh, tasted awesome. like garbage, but I, I imagine they were awake for weeks. You can see sounds and hear colors. It's I don't awesome. think that would help the heart very much. Well, no, you have ADHD, so you're just as likely to get put to sleep by the caffeine as being perked up. You know what? I, I, I stopped drinking the monsters during the uh, during the podcast because I'm like yawning through my nostrils to not yawn out loud, and it makes my face look real weird. It has the adverse effect as on normal people. Yeah, it's like that for TBI too. So I can drink a cup of coffee and I'm like, okay, I'm ready for bed. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. warm and soothing. But uh, anyway, yep. Thank you for spending some of your precious time with us. For Nick Garber and Doc's guest, Seth Scott. Well, I can talk today. I'm J.R. Handley, and this was the Blasters and Blades podcast. We'll be back next week at the same time where we'll indulge our love of nerd culture, cheesy jokes, and all things that go boom. Thank you for coming and visiting us. Uh, oh, we didn't talk about the void. I love that. Uh, We've got another episode to come back for. So thank you for coming and visiting, Dave. Yeah, it was, it was a good time. All I right. Talk too much, Dave. I get into horror, and the mouth just keeps running. Yeah, that's what you know. What we're just gonna end it there before I get myself.